Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's up, everyone? Devin Caney here. We've got a really exciting episode of Believe in Eagles coming up. I have an amazing guest, Bobby Taylor, former cornerback for the Philadelphia Eagles. He is weighing in on all things Eagles, especially the defense, because that is certainly a head scratcher this season. And we preview what the defense needs to do heading into the Eagles game against the Broncos on Sunday. That's coming up in just a bit. But first, here's a quick message from our sponsors, Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever with a new interview face for the start of basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-V-50 to receive your bonus. All right, now let's get to our guest, Bobby Taylor. All right, welcome Bobby Taylor, former Philadelphia Eagle. Uh, Bobby, thank you so much for coming on the Believe in Eagles podcast. Would you mind starting and and telling me a bit about yourself? Yeah, so Bobby Taylor, I was drafted to Philadelphia in the second round in 1995. I attended University of Notre Dame. I'm originally from Texas, you know, country boy at heart. I live here in Texas currently. Some of the things that I'm doing now, continuing to work in the NFL space. I'm a part of an advisory board for the NFL where it's called the Legends Youth Advisory Committee. So we have a a lot of guys who are involved in youth in high school football in some way, shape or form. Some guys coach high school football. Um, For myself, I run a lot of camps here in the state of Texas with one of my former teammates that I played with there in Philadelphia, Indy Kalu. I'm always going to be a Philadelphia Eagle at heart at the end of the day. Love it. So you're living in enemy territory. Yeah. You know, that's tough, right? So one of my good friends, Derek Gunn, who I know, you know, I I was just on his podcast this past week and we were just talking about coming up, being from Texas. It's funny. So when I was playing, all of my, well, not all of my family, but majority of my family, they continued to be Cowboys fans while I was in the league. And I thought for probably my first two to three years in the league that they were not only my fans, but Philadelphia Eagles fans as well. And so I would spend a lot of money buying tickets. And my grandmother, she pulled me to the side one day and was like, baby, I don't know if you know this, but your uncle your cousin, they want you to do good, but they still want the Cowboys to win. And I was like, really? The loyalty, no loyalty. Wow. The loyalty was just ridiculous, (laughs) right? And so I had to cut off a lot of my family. I saved a lot of money, but I gained a couple, I guess you can say enemies to a certain extent (laughs) because they were just so entitled and just thought that that was okay, that Mm. they could continue to be Cowboys fans but not be Philadelphia Eagles fans because I was a part of the organization. So that's something that I always have to live with. It's been tough here because especially this season, the Cowboys have obviously been doing better than the Eagles, even though they did lose pretty badly this past Sunday. And I was, I was happy about that. I don't root against any teams, but um, you know, when the Cowboys lose, Inside, I feel feel good about that. Oh, for sure. Uh, and I want to get into their loss against the Broncos in a little bit because the Eagles are, of course, playing the Broncos on Sunday. Nothing hurts more than than losing to the Cowboys. And still, I think from this season, the most painful loss the Eagles have had was that Monday night game against the Cowboys because it was 
embarrassing. Let's get into the Eagles because yes, that in my opinion was the most embarrassing game. It was national TV and I just losing to the Cowboys in that fashion is never fun. Um, where are you at on the Eagles this season? They're very, you know, obviously their record isn't great. Uh, sometimes they look super terrible. Sometimes they give us some hope. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on the Eagles? Yeah. I mean, it's a head scratcher really. Right. So mm-hmm. when you think about, you know, they fired Doug Peterson, um, they hired Nick, a guy that I, I knew nothing of him. I, I want to ask you as we go along, did you know anything mm-hmm. about him before he popped up on the radar, but I didn't know anything about him. But when I just look at what's been going on this year, especially from a defensive standpoint, being a former defensive player. And I just think about, so I attended the game that, that the Eagles played against Kansas city and granted it wasn't embarrassing, but when I sit back and watch that game, neither of the teams punted. So that means from an offensive perspective that they were just driving the ball up and down the field, up and down the field. And so defensively, I'm okay being a former defensive player. I'm okay with a low scoring game. When I think about what's going on with the, the Eagles this year, it's like, okay, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a, a transition. You have a new coach that's coming in. He's trying to establish his culture. Um, does he really truly embrace the pieces that he has on the team currently? There's been different things as far as is he is is Jalen Hurts his quarterback? Does he want another quarterback? And you know, I look at that both ways, right? From a coaching standpoint, you need to play with the pieces that you have, especially being a, a, a new coach. And then also when each week that you uh, put in your game plan together, you want to just pr- try to put your best foot forward. Right. And so when I look at some of the times where especially like the Dallas game, they, we didn't really run the ball much. We have a stud. We have a stud at running back and you're not using him. And I know that that gets frustrating when you have a guy that he, he knows that he can contribute to the team. Right. And just run the ball a little bit more. I I, I think now you, you're, you're seeing a little bit more balance as far as the type of plays that are being called. But then when you think about the game on this past Sunday versus the Chargers, they were down some offensive linemen or what have you. And you think what well, the offensive line have, have had some struggles. And so you think from a defensive perspective, our defensive line should be the strength of our team. And you look at Justin Herbert, I mean, he, he was clean, no sacks. I think he was only hit maybe one time. Mm-hmm. And that's just not a recipe for success when you think about trying to play complementary football offensively and defensively. And, you know, you, you've given up some big plays on, on, the, on the back half. And I know there's been some frustration. I saw a couple of quotes a couple of weeks ago where I think Fred Fletcher Cox was a little bit disappointed as far as, how he felt like he was being used. And I get that, right? Maybe he's not being used in to the best of his ability, but I'm a believer where you have to keep all of those frustrations inside of the building. I know this is a different day and age where you have guys thinking and wanting to communicate through social media. But the way I look at that is you just have to, you just have to, have thick skin and just go into the meeting room and say, Hey coach, I think I should be used this way. 
and then possibly tell the coach, like, you've been using me like this. Let's pull up some film where I was used as such. And I think we can be more successful. And it starts on your offensive and defensive line. And mm -hmm. when you have guys that are having some doubts when it comes to the type of scheme that the coaches are, are, are putting forth week in and week out, I mean, how can you really be successful out there on the field? Right. And well, to answer your question about Nick Sirianni, no, I had never heard of him before. And I think all of our coaching staff has, have been a bit of a, you, you put it perfectly head scratchers. Um, I think I do appreciate that we're finally starting to see progress from Nick Sirianni and our offense, uh, for a while, you know, as you mentioned, we're not running the ball when we have, you know, Miles Sanders, who's now injured, of course, but uh, just really confusing decision-making, uh, especially in terms of play calling, but we have seen progress and that's what actually Derek Gunn and I have discussed on our post-game show week in and week out. You know, we had to temper our expectations going into this season because you have a new coach, you have a young quarterback, uh, you have an entirely, not just a new coach, entirely new coaching staff, and they're all very young. So did I think that we were going to go into this season and be incredible? No, but I also just want to see progress, right? Like we want to see the adjustments being made. And we weren't seeing that from Sirianni for a while. I think the past two games, we have seen that. And I, I, I appreciate that. Now the head scratcher, the biggest and, and biggest frustration to me when I'm watching this team is the entire defense. There's, I don't even want to call it a scheme because there is no scheme. I don't understand why Jonathan Gannon isn't playing to his players strengths. Uh, I get the whole, you know, motto is to stop the big play. And, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this uh, in terms of, like you mentioned, when you have two offensive linemen who are injured on the chargers, why not uh, try to attack them more? Like, it, it's just insane to me. And, and I don't know if you saw uh, Javon Hargrave actually also spoke out after our game against the chargers and kind of said, someone asked him uh, why they didn't blitz. And he said, well, I'm not the defensive coordinator. So as a former player, how concerned should we be about the locker room? And we're kind of starting to see a few of these stories like Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave kind of come out and say like, well, you know, I'm not the coach. So like kind of saying that they don't agree with what he's doing. It may be a long November in December, <laughs> unfortunately, just being transparent. Right. And so mm -hmm. when you have those chinks in the armor and you have one guy that speaks out, then you have another guy that speaks out. You know what's going on inside the locker room. You know what's going on when they're on the bus, when they're on the plane, traveling. And I just think that those type of things just start to spread. And one of the things that I can respect about during our times while we were there, we had some guys that were very strong-willed, obviously very talented as well. And we had a great defensive coordinator in Jim Johnson. But... He had his standard and the standard was the standard, but he allowed us to have some say here or there. And one of the exercises that we did on a weekly basis was on Fridays, we would come into our meeting rooms and he would just have different scenarios, whether it was third and sixth, they come out in this particular personnel, the ball is located at, at, on this part of the field. What do you guys like? And we would just write what we would like. And he would take up, take all of that information and talk to us about it and say, 
okay, in our Saturday night meeting before the Sunday game, he would say, hey, guys, this is the worksheet that I gave you. These are some of the calls that you like. I like some of those calls as well. These are some of the calls that I like. I'm going to hold on to these, but I'm also bring these into the game as well. And so when you can have that type of working relationship, I think it just empowers you more as a player. And you want to not only do good for yourself, do good for the guy in front of you, behind you, to the left and right, but also your defensive coaches as well. But, you know, Jim, he was a veteran coach. Like you said earlier, these guys are young. They need to learn. And sometimes they may just be stuck in their own way to think that, you know what, my system is my system. I'm trying to establish my culture. If I do X, Y, and Z, that's going to take away from my power. The power in my mind is just trying to get guys motivated to be on the same page from a communication standpoint, but play hard week in and week out. And sometimes when you put on the film and you see some of the things that are happening, it's like, are guys giving all of their effort? Are guys in the right place? Because when I watched the game on Sunday, it seemed like some of the guys weren't in the right place. I like to look at body language. When I watch the games, typically I don't even have the sound on just because I pay attention to body language because I, of course, I don't know what they're saying, but if you aren't saying anything pre-snap every play, I think that's a problem. And so you have to almost over-communicate. By nature, I'm more of a quiet person. But when I step inside of those lines, I mean, I'm over-communicating. I'm talking about this is the personnel that's coming out. This is the down and distance. Um, we need to look out for this in this particular formation. Like all of those type, all of those type of things need to be registered in your mind, like every play from every player. And so if that's not happening, like, are you really invested? Are you really uh, spending the time in the classroom or are you really going home and taking some of the film and looking at it on your iPad and all of the different technology that you have? Because it shouldn't be instances where from a communication standpoint, guys aren't on the same place on the same, same page. Why do you, why do you think that is, you know, what, is that a coaching decision or is it? Cause I think obviously Gannon's scheme isn't working uh, and the play <laughs> or some of the players aren't happy with it. Uh, and that's frustrating in itself because I, I think anyone, uh, even a, like any, anyone can see that it's not working. So why he's not changing it is just mind boggling to me, but I also think it comes down to player performance. And I know people say, you know, he doesn't have the personnel he needs, then he should adapt his defensive scheme to the personnel that he has. I guess my concern is, are the players so unhappy that they're not playing to the best of their ability? Like, why are they not communicating? What's the reason behind that? Well, I would say this, if guys aren't playing to the best of their ability, they're doing themselves a disservice, right? Because every time you go out there on the field, that's a part of your resume. And depending on where you are in your contract and things of that nature, I'm not trying to put some bad plays out there because when it comes time to signing a new contract, um, if you're a free agent, they're going to talk about those things in negotiations. But I'm, I, If guys don't think that they do that, they're doing themselves a total disservice. And so I would hope that, that that's not happening, but, you know, we all are human. And, and a lot of times 
I think fans and people on the outside, they just think that like guys should be automatically motivated just because you are a professional athlete. And that is right. You, you should be motivated to a certain degree, but good coaches, they also put you in positions, not only physically on the field, but also mentally and psychologically to where you just want to perform at the highest of your ability not only for yourself, but also for the coaches as well, because it goes hand in hand. And when you think about the 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 systems that each of these coaches may have, the when you think about having like real true success, you have to be able to make adjustments. Like, period. We come into a game, we all we always talk about the first fifteen from a defensive standpoint. Where okay, we we know that this offensive team they're going to try to attack us like this. Let's see what's going to happen in these first 15 plays. And so as the game progresses, you have to make an adjustment. One of the things that we also used to do was for every four games, our our coaches would self-scout and say, okay, this is one of our bread and butter defenses. How successful were we when we call this particular defense? Mm -hmm. And we could look at it. And analytics and data is a whole lot better now in today's game, as opposed to when I was playing. So if these guys aren't using all of these different tools, I mean, they were touted because they probably were were looked at as, you know, these young geniuses or what have you, that were up and coming in the coaching ranks. Mm -hmm. But a part of coaching is making adjustments as well. You can't be so attached to the way that you think that your defense should be ran to where you're getting in the way of the total success of the team. I just think that that's crazy. There will be times on the field where I'm talking to Doc and we're seeing different things and we're saying, hey, Jim, I don't know what they're telling you in your in your headphones, but this is what's going on. I can see this tackle, the way that he's putting pressure on his hand why well, I know it's going to be a run play. I can give that tip to Hugh Douglas. Will, can, will you allow me to do that? So he can change up. Maybe if he, in his mind, he thought that it was possibly going to be a pass play. So it's just a lot of different things like in between the lines, but hmm. all of that comes with trust. And maybe it's a situation where Nick, maybe it's a situation where Jonathan, maybe they don't fully trust the guys that they have. And if that's the case, that's a problem because we all should be in this together because we're playing a game that's physically demanding. You're you're playing in Philadelphia where you have a it's a tough media um, crowd. You have educated fans that when you're going out there and you're not putting your best foot forward, not just what you're doing as a player, but also what you're calling as a coach. The folks there in the city and the surrounding areas, they're going to call you out for it and they should. Yeah. I mean, if if you were defensive coordinator, now let's talk about our upcoming game against the Broncos because it's our, uh, you know, next game up. And, and like I've said, we haven't seen too many adjustments, but everything aside, not predicting what Jonathan Gannon is going to do. <laughs> I want to know what you would do if you were defensive coordinator of the Eagles to stop the Broncos on Sunday. I would switch it up, right? Because when I look at what the Broncos did on Sunday, on the road in Dallas, right. they had just traded away one of their franchise player in Von Miller. Um, I think that that was probably one of the most impressive wins of the NFL season so far. They dismantled the Cowboys and, mm-hmm. you know, being in and, and not 
because I'm not necessarily a Cowboys fan, but when you look at the, the, the rankings for probably the last four or five, six weeks, all of the polls that I've seen, the Cowboys are, are, have easily been in the top five, six teams in the league as far as where their peers, maybe other coaches, media folks felt as far as how strong of a team that they have. And I feel like the, the Broncos went to Dallas and they totally dismantled. I mean, at the end of the game, there were some 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 garbage yards and, and scores that the Cowboys got. So me as a defensive coordinator, I may take 10 to 15 plays and just show how the Denver Broncos defense plays and just let it play and let the guys watch that. Like, look how they were attacking their wide receivers. These wide receivers that are looked at maybe as one of the top um, groups in the game, I would show that first. And then I would say, hey, we need to set a standard because this defense, they're going to play tough. If we go, if we go, if we go about how they played this past week against the Cowboys, that they're going to play tough and we need to bring our A game, like period. Now, mm -hmm. when it comes to the X's and O's, I would probably just tear up some of the plays that I started the game out with prior to. And I would say, you know, as soon as we step off the bus, we're blitzing. We're sending this guy. We're going to send guys off the off the edge from a from a nickel perspective. We're not just going to allow our four defensive linemen to try to get to the quarterback. We're going to send guys. So you guys on the back half, lace them up, get you some oxygen. We're going to be playing in thin air. You guys are going to be running around all game. And we're not going to try to leave you guys out to drive. But one thing that I know is that in two to three seconds at the most, the ball is going to be out. So that's all I need you. That's all I need you to cover for is two to three seconds. We're not going to allow Teddy Bridgewater to complete over 75, 80 percent of the passes that he throws against us. Like that's not happening. I would take some of their feedback as far as some of the things that they would want to possibly try to do. And we would just have to make a compromise and we would just go into the game that way. Hopefully we could do make some type of disruption, get some turnovers so our offense can, can do something with the ball. Uh, Eagles, if you're listening to hire this man, fire Jonathan I'll Gannon and hire him, please. How will you got my number? No. <laughs> no, seriously. So that on that note, what do you think they will do? Like, that's what you would do, which I, I really seriously wish that, uh, Jonathan Gannon would, would do, but I have no faith that he will make any adjustments in his game no, plan. So. Um, so what do you think is going to happen? Just thinking, just talking from a, from a defensive back scenario, right? Of course, when a quarterback throws and pass the ball, it's not just on the D DBs. So my thing is, I would just say, you know what? We are going to over-communicate. I am going to specifically pay attention to my job to make sure that I can have the closest, the tightest coverage that I've had all year. I'm going to make sure that I spend a little bit of extra time in the film room and study some of their bread and butter plays of where they've been successful over the past couple of weeks, specifically last week. And I'm going to enter this game and just totally try to wipe out anything that has happened so far this season and just almost have a, a fresh slate going into this second half. Because 
if 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 I don't have the right mindset, especially going into the part of the season that the team is getting ready to go into now, I mean, it's going to be a long winter. It's going to be a long, like I said, November and December. Like Thanksgiving is not going to be good. They have to be from a from a from a mindset standpoint. Like we all have to be on the same page. I know mm. some of these defensive linemen have spoken out against our coaches. You know what? We're going to put all this aside. I'm pretty sure. If, if, if I'm a coach and I have a, a player speaking out against me, there's a certain type of way that I would feel about that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a big communicator. We're not going to let things fester. If, I, if I'm the head coach or if I'm the defensive coordinator, I'm calling not only um, Fletcher and those guys, I'm calling their entire defense and saying, hey, look, I know it's been tough. There's a learning curve because. To, to be a first-time defensive coordinator, a first-time head coach, there's a hell of a learning curve that I know these guys are going through. And there's so many things that are being thrown at them. Um, you may have guys that feel like that they need to control everything, right? Maybe it's a situation where some of the guys from a head coach and a coordinator standpoint, they need to take some of those things off of their plate and let some of the, the position coaches take on some of those responsibilities. And, and I think when you have that type of mindset or what have you, you should be able to do a lot better because if not, is I mean, I'm not going to, I know personally, I won't enjoy Thanksgiving and I dang sure won't enjoy Christmas because oh my God, yeah. I'm being critical, but I speak in we, because I'm a part, I feel like I'm a part of the Eagles. I will be to the day I die. It will never be a situation where I'm like those guys and y'all. It's mm-hmm. weak when I speak about it. Like I said about personnel, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, Jonathan Gannon doesn't have the players he needs. Uh, obviously, Brandon Graham, massive part of our defense, uh, went out very early in the season. But we have a lot of draft picks uh, as of now. <laughs> Who do you, what position do you think the Eagles should target? Uh, and if you look back on uh, our past recent drafts, we really have drafted offensive players uh, early and then haven't really focused on young defensive talent. And I, I do think that plays a part, but we do also still have guys like Fletcher Cox and Darius Slay. So there isn't too much of, of a loophole that we can use there, even though a lot of people try to. But um, what do you think the Eagles' biggest need is on defense in terms of players? Yeah, like you said, bring some of that love to the defensive side of the ball. Right. Like bring, 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 show us some love. Show us yeah. some love, Howie. I mean, you mentioned the defensive line. You mentioned the secondary. I would say let's get a linebacker. Let's get a linebacker that's multifaceted, that, that can cover, that's fast, that can also blitz. I mean, I, that 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 would be the probably the, the main position that I would be looking to, to possibly draft. I mean, bring some of that love to the defensive side of the ball. Like you said, we have a lot of draft picks. I mean, listen, defense wins championships. I'm a firm believer of that, even though this is a, a offensive game right now when you look at not only the NFL, but college. I mean, even all the way down to high school. But I feel like defense wins championships. When you look at how... Tampa Bay played last year in the Super Bowl, basically dismantling the Chiefs. They they constantly pressured Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he was going backwards their entire game. I, I can't even count how many times he was on his backside. I mean, they pressured him. They, they, they hit him. They sacked him. It, it, it was just frustrating. And then when you look at 
how the guys on the outside pressured all of their their fast receivers. They were constantly getting their hands on. And that's another thing, too. Right. I feel like as a defensive back, it, it goes hand in hand when you think about you want the defensive line to get pressure for you. Mm-hmm. But as a defensive back as well, you need to try to disrupt disrupt some of the routes trying to get your hand hands on the guy jamming on get jamming the guys giving the defensive lineman a little bit of extra time to be able to get to the quarterback so it's all about complimentary football but getting back to your draft question definitely linebacker that would be the number one position that I would be targeting right now uh question when you played for the Eagles did they even acknowledge the position of linebacker because it feels like they haven't in decades <laughs> you know, yeah, we did. I mean, we had some hell of a linebacker. I mean, Jeremiah Trotter. Yeah, he, he but he's like the Trotter is the first one that comes to mind when people say, because it's been brought up a lot this season, you know, who is the last standout linebacker the Eagles have had? And ever like Jeremiah Trotter, of course, but yeah, since that, him, I people mean, only went to the Super Bowl. It wasn't, it was who? Uh, Kendricks? Uh Yep, you know we had well um, one of my former teammates as well, Ike Reese, who's in the media up there now. And yeah, he was like our third down specialist, and we also had Mike Caldwell was our third down specialist as far as coming in blitzing off the end. We had Carlos Emmons, which we we drafted Ike. I think Mike Caldwell, we got him maybe I think in free agency. Carlos Emmons. We signed him in free agency from. So you're right. I mean, it's been a long time. I can't remember. And that's that's something that I, you, you may. You know what? That, you just gave me some homework. I need to go look yeah. that up because I mean, my, my mind is a blank. And yeah, that was like the strength. Like we felt like I mean, it's it, it's funny. Right. So we thought we were the strength of our not only defense, but the team, our DBs, myself, Troy Vincent, Brian Dawkins. We had Al Harris. Um, Lito Shepard, Sheldon Brown. And so if you ask Trotter, he would probably say, well, no, nah, no, nah, it was the it, it was the linebackers. We were the strength of, of the team. And then when you talk to somebody like a Corey Simon or Hugh Douglas, they would say they were they were the strength of the team. So we went we all went back to back. But the thing about it was that we all like pushed each other like to the fullest. I mean, even down to the situation where it was like, if we saw a guy that may have been doing too much socially, like outside of the building, we were like, hey, man, um, you know, we're getting ready to go to Denver. They talk about the air is light in Denver. Right. So yeah. we need you to, like, get you some extra rest. Make sure that you watching this, watching extra film, like all. of. So we kept we kept that pressure from a peer like the peer pressure was like real, but it was in, in a good, positive way amongst us because. Even when we weren't that good, we still like fought our asses off as far as like just scrapping and scrapping. It wasn't a situation where somebody could say, well, man, those guys just didn't didn't try. Mm-hmm. Like that, that wasn't the case. It was it, it was a situation where it's like, man, like we fought like all the way to the end. But somehow we found a way to just let it slip through the cracks. And so mm-hmm. I, it, I, I don't think it's too late just because. They can end the season well, just seeing when you think about the Broncos, like they were probably a what 15 point or 14 point underdog going into that game. And the win, the way that they went, won, and so convincingly, I mean, I just have faith that we have the right guys in the locker room and hopefully they have the right attitude and 
they can make some adjustments here and there and just go out and try to, you know, put their best foot forward on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, um, and like I said, I don't want to keep you too long, but hopefully we do this again. So do your homework on, uh, Eagles linebackers, uh, in the meantime, before I let you go last question, can I get a final score prediction for Sunday? You don't have to pick the Eagles. Cause I guess. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think it would be, it would, it would just be, I think the score would be, the score will be, let's say 27 to 20 Eagles. I'm picking the Eagles. I, okay. I'm, I, I'm not a gambler. I don't look at the lines and I just know that there were, there was a big deal made about the Cowboys and the, the Broncos this past weekend, but I'm just, I'm just confident that, Listen, these guys should have some pride. And what's being said, I mean, I'm hearing it all the way in Texas. So I can imagine what's being said there in Philly. And when guys say, you know what, we don't read the media, we don't, that's a lie. We <laughs> you all why why would you be picking up your 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 phone looking at social media and getting upset or even making comments on this? So we know you you're looking at it. So hopefully that could just be some extra motivation to give these guys um, fuel to their fire. And like I said, or like you said earlier, if they need to call me, hey, I, I definitely can give them some pointers as far as some of the some of the things that they can do to, to hopefully improve. Eagles, please call him. Um, all right, Bobby, thank you so, so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This podcast is always presented by Bet Online. I'm Devin Caney. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.